2: Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. How are you doing this week? I'm very good. I'm very excited because um, I'm recording on a new laptop. It's a, it's a big thing, obviously. like
3: Every time we finish recording, usually Ryan tells me how many like dropouts he's had, which means for some reason his audio jumps forward. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen.
2: Fingers bloody crossed because this is going to be a long episode. Well, this is a long series. Um, So it's going to be yeah, split, down into, mm. yeah, split down into two. Yeah, uh, we split this down into two. What was the last episode we did?
3: It was the Benz, Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Carl,
2: Carl, and Bertha. Carl and Bertha. Bertha. Yeah, that's the one. It. Um, I really enjoyed doing social media for that because it's been like, you know, every great man needs a great woman, that kind of behaviour where, like, you know, yeah. she's that woman that just gets shit done.
3: Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely.
2: Uh, and now we're going to kind of talk about a guy who also just kind of gets shit done. <laughs> nice. Before we
3: jump into the episode, I, I do need to say uh, a quick apology about the audio quality lately. Um, if you imagine me as a sportsman, I'm just really out of form at the minute. I don't know what's going on. I need to shake it off. But <laughs> I think there's a there's a problem with my equipment. It's a couple of years old um, and... It, it's starting to buzz in the background. It really annoys me when I turn the volume up, so I'm trying to adjust volume levels. And in doing so, I'm just messing up the whole thing. So sometimes it might be quiet. Sometimes Ryan might be shouting. Um, I'm doing my absolute best.
2: That's <laughs> all I can say. It. So, so please uh, bear with me. Just not enjoying your football at the moment, are you?
3: No, I'm not. The manager's going to drop me soon. <laughs>
2: just got distractions off the pitch. Oh, it just takes me back to the you know the Lee Evans skit. Just not enjoying the football at the moment not enjoying your football <laughs> 90 grand a week and that was that was a lot back then
3: yeah god <laughs> i'd kill for 90 grand a week but yeah uh thank you for staying with us we're, oh. we're doing our best
2: yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah we've got a lot going on at the moment james has got a lot more assignments coming on i've got a lot more work going on at the moment so uh i'm surprised we're even able to get these bloody episodes out but
3: they're here. I'm quite impressed as well. The fact that as soon as we finish recording this, there's probably like two and a half hours because we're recording two episodes. As soon as we finish recording this, I've got an essay to write on animal agriculture and why it hurts the climate. And that's due in tomorrow in less than 24
2: hours. Have I started? No, I haven't. <laughs> Aye. And I have I have videos to edit for my job. So, yeah. Now, shall we just crack on? Let's crack on. Right. Okay. So, let's begin Protests. Now, in the Oxford Dictionary, it is defined as, quote, to say or do something to show you disagree with something or think it is bad, especially publicly. Now in everyday terms, that means if you don't like something, do something about it. The trouble is, the dictionary may define what a protest is, but it doesn't exactly tell you how to do it. To say or do something, that's pretty vague. So let's take a quick look at history to see if there's a common theme with protesting. Now, there was the storming of the Bastille, where Parisians stormed the castle, seeing it as a figurehead of royal authority, and then actually took the head of the governor of the castle. Now, in Kenya, in 1992, uh, the elections there were believed to be rigged, when all hell broke loose, leading to the deaths of between 800 to 1,500 people. That is a significant number of dead people Mm -hmm. over protesting. And in Detroit, in the USA, in 1967, a bunch of bar patrons were celebrating the return of a couple of Vietnam vets by having a lock-in after hours. The police showed up and the bar patrons protested. And the result ended with 43 dead and 2,000 buildings destroyed, simply over a bar lock-in. So it's a bit excessive, isn't it? It's a bit excessive. So violence, it seems, is an easy way to go about it, right? It's one way to show intent uh, and how serious you take something. But how successful is it in actually changing things? Well, according to a political scientist called Erica Chernowev, violent protests are about 26% successful. So what about non-violent protests? Well, there are hunger strikes there are silent protests marches even leafleting can be a form of protest we had an episode on sophie scholl uh during, yeah that's exactly who came to my mind exactly during nazi era like sort of dishing out leaflets being like fuck the nazis oh, no. uh, there's another episode where the nazis are brought up and uh, can never escape <laughs> they're just everywhere aren't they yeah they're everywhere now uh, again according to chernowe's Non-violent protests in the last century are about 56% successful, which isn't bad. Now, that of course means that nearly half of peaceful protests fail, some failing in horrendous fashion. But when they go right, fantastic things can be achieved. And the absolute king of non-violent protests is the man we call Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, just a quick note. I say Gandhi in two different ways. If I say Mahatma, okay. when I, if, if I refer to Mahatma Gandhi, it's very like A, like uh, you can hear it. But later on, you will hear me say it differently, and I can only apologise for that. It's, it's, I don't I'm know confused. why I do why? it.
3: Just the pronunciation. It, yeah, so what, it's what? like
2: uh, I would normally, like, when I say Mahatma Gandhi, and I think this is a very South English thing. We, yeah. we really emphasise the A, um, but when I say Gandhi on its own, see how the A sounded more muted.
3: Gandhi, I've never heard anyone say Gandhi before.
2: Yeah, I I don't know why. I've I've been watching a few documentaries on him, obviously to like try and get a f- bit of research, and nearly everyone says Gand Gandhi instead of like Gandhi. So anyway, just I don't know what the correct pronunciation is here. I'm not entirely sure, but apparently I say both, so either is either could be right. Yeah, cover both bases, and you can't lose. <laughs> now, before we get into the life of Gandhi, let's go back in time to get some context, which is always my favourite part. Now, James, <laughs> have you ever heard of a thing called the British Empire? Um, I'm unfamiliar, Ryan, what's that? <laughs> yeah, uh, you may know it for its colonisation of nearly a quarter of the globe's landmass, or, or how it used its technological advantages to wage wars against peoples and nations that simply could not compete, or how it managed to become the world's biggest drug cartel making china so addicted to opium they literally fought wars when china tried to go clean and ended up with hong <laughs> kong for its trouble that british empire among that's how it happened yeah, fascinating yeah among other atrocities of course now oh, absolutely as i said the empire at its peak ruled over a quarter of the globe's landmass from canada to new zealand but the jewel in the crown of the empire was india india had been a part of the empire since 1858 officially but that was after nearly 100 years of rule by the east india trading company now i'd love to get into the history of it more and try to explain it but we really don't have the time okay this has already had to be made a two parter right instead Imagine Amazon having an army consisting of nearly 250,000 soldiers and ruling an entire country for 100 years. That's what it was like. As best as I can describe it, anyway.
1: The, the,
3: it's weird, but when you say East India Trading Company, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, fucking Beckett from Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. 2 and 3. Yeah, and, uh, They're like the main villains. They are,
2: they are the main villains, and I do believe they are heavily influenced on that. Um, and in obviously, if you go to London, if you head towards sort of the north, the the East End uh, of London, you will find East India Docks, which was where a lot of them were based, the company, um, which is really fascinating. You can walk around; it's quite nice. Now, I can only imagine this is just a matter of time before Amazon creates its own army and then has a, a nation under itself, just like rules an island with an army. Uh, in fact, mm. in fact, what I can picture is Elon Musk having now bought Twitter will have like a mars sponsored by twitter tesla uh and he will go to interplanetary war with jeff bezos and he's amazon venus and they'll just battle each other that'd be pretty cool Wouldn't it be cool? that would be cool with like
3: i'd probably take oh i mean they're both weird weird people but i use amazon a lot more than i do tesla in fact i don't use tesla <laughs> at all
2: no this is true um yeah But yeah, I can just imagine, you know, Jeff Bezos, penis shaped rockets flying over toward Mars. I think that's brilliant. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) for most Indians during colonial rule, poverty was the norm. They worked for next to nothing, making uh, mainly in the agricultural sector, cultivating crops, mainly tea. All the things that Brits will do for tea. In fact, they will literally go to war for a cup of char. Like, have you ever heard of the Boston Tea Party? Like, they're pretty serious about their tea. yeah, yeah. (laughs) They love tea. Now, Britain's goal was to extract as much money and natural resources from India whilst it was still profitable. It wasn't really focused on bettering the country or the people living in it. But naturally, there are a small select people that did benefit from colonial rule. The upper classes of Indian society, the princes who owned land and middle classes who had connections and typically collaborated with the empire, had a better life. Than the typical indian now gandhi was born into one of these middle-class families born october 2nd 1869 in the city of poor bandar his birth name is not mahatma as many think his actual name is mohandas karamchand gandhi now also um i enjoy these bits a little uh what was going on at this time for you uh when gandhi was born the Suez Canal was opened for the first time. I'm familiar with this because of the ship that got stuck. Yeah, the, yeah remember that? That was the funny. The green ship that got stuck. Yeah, the Suez Canal that goes that right really through funny. Egypt. Oh, and uh, uh, for context with our episodes, uh, Winston Churchill would be born about ten years later. I think
3: we do like to base history around Churchill.
2: There is a lot of that, and uh, the timeline. Why yeah. Earp is currently traipsing around. The uh, Wild West of America as a lawman, whilst Gandhi was born.
3: This is fascinating. We've we've always said that we need to do a timeline of yeah, all of our. I'd I'd love to have like an actual studio that we go to. This would be the dream. And on the wall, there's just a massive timeline. And after every every episode, we just stick whoever the episode was on the That's timeline. That's a really cool idea. I like that a lot. That would
2: be really cool. Okay, so guys, our Kofi page. <laughs> Crack on. We need a studio. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Now, James, do you remember India's cast system?
3: Oh, yes. From episode one. yeah. Episode fucking one. Yeah, I did. Wow. For those listeners
2: who have been around since day one, if you cast your minds back to our first ever episode, Uh, (laughs) what was that? I bet that one was written down, wasn't it? (laughs) Oh, dear. You'll remember Dashrath Manji, the guy who carved a pathway through a mountain. In fact, James and I sold this podcast on that episode. Like, we, we had a meeting with a guy who was like, so, you want to make a podcast? Like, what's it about? And we were like, well, we're going to talk about sort of people, good people that have done amazing, interesting things. Uh, there's a guy in India called Dashrath Manji. And the guy was like, yeah, that's a really cool idea. So we kind of sold it on that. I mean,
3: I, we then could have literally said anything to him and he would have said, yeah, he was <laughs> a very
2: interesting character. He was a very interesting character. I wonder if he listens. Now, Um, in that epi- <laughs> in that episode... Uh, we spoke a bit about the Indian caste system. Dashrath was a Dalit or untouchable. It is the lowest of the caste system. Now, Gandhi was born into the Kshatriya caste, which is the equivalent to kings, rulers and warriors. Only one step down from being the top dogs where the religious priests resided. Basically, he was born into a good family with rather good prospects. Uh... If you would like to know a little bit more about the cast system, of course, please do go back and listen to episode one. Uh, episode one, wow. Yeah, we're like, what, 117 or something in now?
3: Yeah, that was like two years ago.
2: Uh, nearly three, James. Bloody it's hell. It's nearly three years. Uh, obviously, we had we had audio guys then. We literally, if you go back and listen to those first
3: episodes, there's points where we need information and we turn to sound engineers and go, Can you Google that? We were so professional and we've just steadily gone downhill ever since.
2: <laughs> we're just busy people. Now, now we just do it, do it ourselves. His father, Karamchand Gandhi, was a chief minister in the Poor Bandar region. It's a very well respected position. To put into perspective, we look at images of Gandhi in his distinctive dotty and shawl. Uh, giving us this thought of him being a man of the people, but that's not really his upbringing. Poor Bandar was a princely state in colonial India, meaning that Britain didn't actively control the area and instead allowed a prince to rule over it with special favours granted to the Brits. And the only person that Gandhi's dad answered to was the prince himself, so he held significant power. Now, that, of course, does not mean the family was massively wealthy. Uh, And I say that sarcastically because a lot of people were arguing that. were saying, oh, but Gandhi didn't grow up wealthy. But Gandhi did live uh, in a three-story house and he even had servants. Oh, right. Right. Uh, And it was said that all the money that his dad made basically just kept the house running um a house that was significantly better than most people living there at the time in fact Mm. i would argue still significantly better than most people living today i don't have a three story home and servants
3: no my house is only two and i try and have servants but they really fight back i've got a flat fucking roof i
2: don't even have an attic
3: do you not (laughs) No. we discovered our attic just before christmas and i looked in there and i'm a bit scared to go in yeah there's bin bags in there i'm just i'm curious as to what they are
2: that's where the bodies are hidden
3: yeah, so sort of where the smell comes from.
2: Oh, God. Now, uh, his mother, she was named Putlibai. She was a very religious woman. Uh, in fact, the family was Hindu, and his mother followed it to the letter, instilling religious values into young Gandhi. Now, he said of his mother, quote, she would take the hardest vows and keep them without flinching. To keep two or three consecutive fasts was nothing to her. Now, I have referred to Gandhi's family as being Hindu, and I am also aware that there are four different denominations of Hinduism, each worshipping a different god or belief over the others. But for simplicity's sake, I shall use Hindu as the blanket term. Now, as a child, his sister described him as restless as Mercury, either playing or roaming around. And it seems that one of his favourite things to do was play with dog's ears, which is really cute just like playing with doggies' ears. And I massively get it because a dog's ears are the softest part of a dog. You can crinkle them up. You can smell them. And dogs love it when you play with their ears. And I stand by that. I will die on that hill. You die on that hill, Ryan. No one's going to... Do you no not agree? Do you it? not like playing with Woody's ears? Yeah, of
3: course. Dogs' ears are the absolute best. I, I'm a big fan of like floppy ears. Yeah, exactly. They're brilliant.
2: Yeah. Dogs' ears are fantastic. Yeah, now, Like velvet. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's brilliant. If I could i could furnish my no i'm not gonna do it <laughs> yeah stop stop <laughs> i saw where that was going and that was bad anyway oh sorry quick aside james would it be is it is it immoral to uh, if your if your dog dies is it immoral to then have that dog i don't know turned into slippers or something to like keep them yeah yeah massively right. yeah 100 right, just just, just no.
3: that's so weird right.
2: what even gloves <laughs> gloves
3: yeah, that's so fun. Animals should not be furniture, dead, even if it's dead.
2: <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. Now, at school, we learned that Gandhi was a shy boy. He attended the Alfred High School in Rajcot, which is a smaller city that the family moved to when his dad took a new job. Uh, fun fact, the Alfred High School in Rajcot is now named after him and isn't a school. It's now a museum. Now, at school, we learned that Gandhi was a shy boy. He attended the Alfred High School in Rajkot, which is a smaller city that the family moved to when his dad took a new job. And fun fact, Alfred High School is now called um, the Gandhi School. It's now named after him and it's not a school anymore. It's now a museum.
3: Now, Right, okay. They
2: just cashed in. Uh, hey, what? They just cashed in on his name. Oh, everywhere has cashed in on Gandhi's name. Everywhere. Now, Gandhi would go to school he wouldn't mix with his classmates very well, because he was so shy. And when school was over, he would run straight back home and delve into his books. Now, there is a story about him having one friend growing up that was of the Untouchables cast. Now, the story goes that Gandhi would share his sweets and play with the boy before his mother spotted it, and told him not to play with the boy, and he was all like, No, I don't care about his cast. I'm just going to play with this boy and share my sweets. And his mother was like, no, this is not happening. But he defied his mother. Now, I couldn't find out much to back this story. So it might be legacy building after his death. But when we go to South Africa later on, the way he behaves there kind of makes me believe that this story is actually fiction. All right. Just just as a side note. okay. now there is another story about another friend that he had and I Maybe I'm just being a uh, a negative Nelly, but I just think this one's more believable, right? There was apparently a, a, a Muslim friend called Sheikh Metab. Now, he was an older boy than Gandhi was. He was a, an old friend of his big brother. And he um, said to him, he's like, oh, you don't eat meat. Because that's a Hindu thing, right? They, they turn out to eat meat and he was like that's why you're so skinny and you're not that like strong and if all you hindus would eat meat then like you could all like fight back against the british or whatever and sort of like claim your own country and he was like oh yeah i've never really tried meat so him and the boy went off to a secluded area where this muslim friend offered him meat and he ate it for the first time and apparently mm. he was a bit sick about the whole thing didn't really like it but throughout like the course of a yeah. year was trying secretly meat and then it's also said that like this friend had got him into smoking um this sounds like a bad influence it does sound like a bad influence right and then apparently the straw that broke the camel's back was when he took him to a brothel and was like look look loads of sex workers like this is a thing and gandhi apparently was like nah do you know what i think you're a bad influence on me uh i'm gonna stop th- i'm gonna stop <laughs> eating the meat i'm gonna stop smoking and i'm certainly not looking at brothels anymore
3: uh, yeah fair play gandhi i mean some people would hear that list and be like that's a good time <laughs> but it's not for gandhi yeah
2: yeah and, uh, listen, i listen, listen there's a bit of me that thinks maybe there's elements of this story that are probably true because most kids have that one weird friend who's a probably a, not a, not a good influence and they do some weird shit and you just sort of take it oh yeah um But yeah, I think there's a lot of it that maybe is fiction as well. But anyway, Gandhi was particularly fond of his books. And his favourite stories were about Shravan, a person whose parents were old and blind. Now, Shravan would carry both of them everywhere. So much was his dedication to his parents. In fact, Gandhi was also devoted to his parents. He loved his dad dearly, although did admit that he was a little scared of him. But also, uh, was definitely a mummy's boy. Now, he also loved hmm. the story of King Harishchandra, Chandra, a king devoted to the truth. Now, in both of these stories, um, like Gandhi sort of took these stories and was like, oh, I want to kind of use these as the backbone to make me. Right? So he kind of tried to model himself as a young man on both these stories, devoted to his parents and to the truth. Now, Gandhi was soon married. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that's a bit of a leap. Like, <laughs> not much more in his childhood then. No, we're still in his childhood. Gandhi was soon married at the tender age of 13 in wow. an arranged marriage to a 14-year-old called Castabai. Right, in fact, okay. In so, uh, from what I could see, they were engaged at the age
3: of seven. That's crazy. I'm 26 and he's further romantically than
2: <laughs> I've ever been. I just think that's a mad thing. Imagine being in like year eight or nine and your friend is now a married boy. Just being like, do you want to play yeah. COD tonight? But I like, know I can't. The, the missus has got me putting up a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way we were at that age,
3: I think, would be very different because all of me and all of my friends would, would not do well.
2: I think relationships lasted at most a month. Oh, God, yeah. And this is the thing. Even Gandhi wasn't really understanding of the whole event, right? So he was married in a joint ceremony with both his brother and his cousin, uh, and said of it, "Quote: As we didn't know much about marriage, for us it meant only wearing new clothes, eating sweets, and playing with relatives. I find that a bit weirder that he doesn't even really understand what's kind of going on.
3: Yeah, he's just kind of got this new friend to <clears> hang <throat>
2: out with. Now, they may be married, but tradition was that the newly wedded couple will be separate until of a suitable age, which is fair. They don't just live together afterwards. Yeah, I get it. Right? I get it. But Gandhi did later say about the separation being a hard experience saying that he often would have lustful feelings about her, particularly at night. I think that just means he had, like, sex dreams or boners. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, I, I wouldn't be too hard on myself if I was him. He's a teenage boy who's going through a big change in his life, and all of a sudden, he's married to a girl, right?
0: Now, when mm. I was
2: 13, as you were sort of hitting that earlier... When I was 13, I couldn't talk to girls. Imagine if my, I just came home one day and my mum was like, oh, by the way, tomorrow you're going to get married to the girl that you fancy. I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> I don't even have to fancy. talk to her. Oh. I'm just married to the girl. I don't I, I, don't know how everyone's feelings of arranged
3: marriages are, but fuck, it sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. None of this
2: who ha Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. But yeah, I imagine it was a very confusing time. And imagine, yeah, you're like a teenager. And you don't even have to like... You know, talk to you, girl. You just have a wife now. You say, okay. Now, Gandhi's dad (laughs) would die when he was 16 years old, but that wasn't the only loss he suffered at 16. He and Kastabaya had lost their first baby too. That must be such a bizarre experience and hard. Like, you're 16 and you just lost a baby. That's crazy. crazy. That's actually mental. That's such a big thing to go through. Now, Gandhi would go on to finish his schooling, And at the age of 18, would go on to have his second child. This is the one that... When I say second child, obviously, it's the first child because the other one didn't survive. But it's the second child. Uh, The couple would go on to have four children that would live to adulthood. Now, aged 18, with a wife and child, Gandhi was going to go to the law profession, as was expected uh, for someone of his caste. Now, he was recommended to go to a law school in London, since it was supposedly easier to pass the bar. But his mother had not been keen on the idea of an 18-year-old leaving his young family for a few years to go to London. She was also concerned mainly about him keeping his faith, seeing London as a, uh, as somewhere that would be a bad influence on him. I mean, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, like all legitimate issues, right? He has a young family to look after, uh, to look after there is a school local to him that could teach him the course that he wants to do. Yeah. He doesn't really need to go to London. He just wants to go to London. London would absolutely change him as well. Oh and it, it will a little bit. Plus okay. it wasn't really his wife that he needed to convince about his little voyage. It was his mum that he actually gave a shit about. Hmm. Which is fine if like that's fair, like it's an arranged marriage. Like, yeah. You care more about your mum. This is just some random person who's coming in your life. <laughs> I don't know. That you not have kids with. Yeah, that you no, yeah, I have kids with. Yeah, sure. But, like, you kind of have to do that. So, I don't know. So, he promised to his mum uh, that he would not touch alcohol. He certainly wouldn't eat meat. And that he would not... Um, he would stay away from women. Now, that last one I find odd. Right, because Mum's issues were that he would lose his faith, and that means kind of like drinking wine, eating meat, all things that are traditional, sacred in Hinduism. You just don't do that. Mm-hmm. But the staying away from women, I would have thought, was a given, considering his wife and child was probably sat next door. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I'm. If your mom ever has to tell you to stay away from women because you're in a relationship, <laughs> I think that's a reflection on you.
2: Exactly right. Like you don't, surely you don't need to add that bit. It's like well. Why, was you considering it? uh, No, no. Why why, why would you ask that? Because you brought it up. (laughs) Anyway. Mm -hmm. His mother eventually gave him her blessing, and with the assistance of an uncle, he was on his way to Bombay, which is now Mumbai, and he got on a ship to the colonial heartland. Now, Gandhi came ashore in Southampton in 1888. When he got to London, he stayed with a family friend for a time to get acquainted to his new surroundings, and he bloody needed it. London was such a culture shock to Gandhi. Everyone wore black or muted colors, and they kept themselves to themselves, which is kind of like London today I fucking this is my favorite
3: thing about like my morning commute in London that you can have thousands and thousands of people crammed into the same train, like touching each other like in really inappropriately because you're that crammed in and yet it's silent. No one says a word, and I think that's just beautiful. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah yeah London's great. I, it's the best place where like you can be social but not say a word. I mean, when I moved out of London I went literally like the next day I went for a
3: walk like down the road back in the Midlands and this old man said hello to me and it really shocked me. Oh
2: god yeah. I, I was like this, you, you don't do that. I find this like obviously I live I live in Essex which is a wee bit further out uh, from London. But even here people are a little bit more friendly and if you go for a dog walk around like sort of the countryside People say oh, hello yeah, to yeah.
3: you. You're like, yeah, whenever you're out in nature, people say hello. Oh, they, love it. they love it. scary.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it. Now, um, as I say, it was a bit of a culture shock. Now, one thing he really struggled with was finding a restaurant that served vegetarian food. He eventually found mm. one, but it did take a while. Also, um, this family friend uh, that put him up in a flat for a little while, when Gandhi got to London and he sort of like saw his top hat and sort of the way he dressed, he was like, oh my God, wow, like, That looks so cool. And he like grabbed his top hat to sort of like feel it. And the guy pretty much Mm. slapped his hand away. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First fucking things first. You need to learn that things run differently here. You don't just go up to people and touch their clothes or tell them that you like them. You don't just just go up to someone and say, oh, hi, I like what you're wearing because you'll get murdered. Right. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, oh, right. okay." So he learned pretty quick, like how to act in London. Now, he enrolled Mm. at University College London to study law. His shyness was a barrier at first, but he soon took elocution lessons to sort of help, you know, gain a bit more confidence, help navigate his new home. He even apparently took up dance classes, but dropped out since he wasn't very good at it. I find that a fun little fact. He tried, though, bless him. He tried, and that's all that matters. Now, he was becoming a proper English gentleman. He was wearing a black suit, top hat, and even carried a silver-topped cane around with him, which is pretty up there. He must have been a man about town. Find a distinguished gentleman. A distinguished gentleman, yes. <laughs> there is a story that says he was... Um, when at law when at law school, he had to take... Uh, you had to, like, go to several dinners a year, uh, like six or seven dinners, with, like, all your tough friends where you all sat there and discussed law and, like, you know... Basically, like, if you were conservative, I imagine you would be the kind of person that turned up here. Mm. Proper toffs. Now, anyway, none of, them, none of these people are going to be vegetarians, right? I bet they all smoke cigars, they all drink heavily, and they all just fucking eat meat off the bone. That's, these are these kinds of people, right? But obviously, Gandhi, being a vegetarian who doesn't drink wine, was obviously a bit concerned about how his peers would sort of take to him if he just there and he, like refuses half the stuff given to him. Um, and as apparently the story goes uh, he was offered wine and he said oh, no thank you and they were like oh Gandhi you're not you're not drinking wine and he was like oh no sorry I, I don't drink and they were like oh brilliant more for us so that kind of worked out in his favour uh, and apparently the same went for like all his meat on his plate he was like hey lads do you want some of my uh, my gammon or steak and they were like brilliant f- thank you very much and he was happy with his potatoes and veg so yeah apparently oh, nice. it worked out quite well yeah now, James, you'd be proud of this. Gandhi joined and became a writer for the London Vegetarian Society. Oh, wow. Oh. That sounds like one of those weird societies at unis that try and get you to come to their socials, but, like, you don't want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and supposedly, Gandhi was a bit of a football fan. Um, oh. In fact, there's a rumour that his favourite team was West Ham. And even went... Really? Yeah, apparently he apparently even went to a game or two, which is a very nice story. It, uh, and that's all it probably is. Since West Ham United was actually formed in 1895 and was called Thames Ironworks, and Gandhi would leave London in 1891. <laughs> oh, okay. So there you go. You people with that. Haven't you? This is one of those. I found this on Sport Bible. If anyone's aware of Sport Bible, if you're not from the UK, it's a um uh like a, a silly article news thing that you find on Facebook uh yeah. and they were like it's
3: what lab bible it's like a spin-off of lab bible isn't it,
2: it is yeah and they were like gandhi was a west ham fan Ugh, proper east end geezer Ugh. and there's like a cropped picture of like gandhi's face on west ham fans from like green street or something <laughs> 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 but yeah now listen it it it, it it's it's obviously horseshit. shit it's possible that gandhi may have met up with the person who would own the club itself back in the day but He definitely didn't go to the bowling ground or West Ham games because it didn't exist.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too,
1: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Gandhi would finish his studies and graduated from University College London in 1891, aged 22. Happy to have finished and probably expecting to go home and immediately tell his mother Gandhi had a ticket booked on a ship home the very next day. That's no word of a lie. Like he went to graduation, picked up his fucking certificate, and was like, Yeah, I gotta go pack, I'm on my way home tomorrow. <laughs> That's mental. That's mad, I didn't even get time to like enjoy summer. No, exactly. Uh now upon returning, he was met with horrible news. Whilst in London, his mother had passed away and the family oh, the family kept it from him as to not distract him from his studies. That's hard. I mean, I get, I, I get their logic, but like, fucking hell, that's a, would be pissed. I'd be so upset and annoyed. Yeah. Now, back in India, Gandhi got himself work in the legal sector, helping to draw up litigations, answer legal questions, and uh, and some occasions appear in court. But apparently he wasn't very good at cross-examining witnesses, so work as a barrister in a court was not the way forward for him, just because he was too shy and he's not very confrontational. He's just like, yeah, right. If okay. you're <laughs> like, uh, so you say that this is what the person did, and they're like, yeah. He's like, okay, no further questions. What? What? You don't want to question this guy. N- no further. No further questions. <laughs> I've got. I've got <laughs> nothing for this guy. Um, now instead, he was offered a one-year contract working for a shipping business who just needed a lawyer to go over all the legalities and whatnot. The only problem was, this shipping company was based in South Africa. So Gandhi just immediately was like, sure, okay. I, I've got nothing holding me back here except for uh, my wife who has uh, a, a, a three-year-old and a newborn baby still. Both my mum and dad mm. are dead, so they don't really help out much. She's got to kind of wing it on her own. And he left. He was like, see you later, wife, I'm off. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else to that, right? I realise that's such a short section, but that is like the point. He goes back for like, I think, a year or two. And he's like, I uh, listen, this sucks. I'm, I'm going to fuck off again. <laughs> he's gone. So it's... It sounds like
3: a... too fair, that's a very typical after uni thing to do, isn't it?
2: Yeah, you get sort of a bit fidgety. Yeah. Now, it's 1893. Gandhi is 23 years old, and he has made it ashore in South Africa. But it really wouldn't be long before he would probably regret his decision to come to this country. Now, Gandhi was not uncommon to racism. He grew up in a country that was seen as property of an old white lady who had never been to the country she claimed to be empress of. And he'd also been to London, where I'm certain he would have met some unsavoury comments from passers-by. Yeah. But South Africa, oh, that was a totally different animal. He purchased a first-class ticket uh, on a train to go to Pretoria. Now, a a very shy, quiet Gandhi likely didn't even make a sound as he walked onto the train carriage and took his seat. But it wasn't uh, long until he was met with a white European man who had entered the carriage. This man was so shocked to see an Indian sitting in first class, he demanded that Gandhi leave and go back to third class where he ought to belong. Gandhi refused, saying that he had bought his first class ticket and had every right to be there. Uh, but the guy wasn't having none of it and found the train ticket master who then both had it out with Gandhi who again showed that he has a ticket. He has every right to be sat here. But that wasn't going to work. Instead, Gandhi was kicked off of the train simply because he was Indian. Mm. Great start.
3: It's not it's not a deal, is it? But like, it's also not surprising, which is quite <laughs> sad.
2: No. Now, Gandhi, of course, still needed to get to his destination. So, boarded a stagecoach. But even on that... The white passengers refused to allow him to sit with them, so he had to sit next to the driver on the outside of the coach. Colonial South Africans, it seems, don't really give a shit if he was Indian or not. All they saw was that he wasn't white, and that was enough for them. And this was such a big thing there. Like, if you're not white, you might as well not be there.
0: Hmm.
2: Now... Gandhi likely thought of himself as a Briton first and an Indian second after spending years in London cultivating an Anglicised version of himself, dressing as an Englishman, even behaving like one. And now I I, I use that term and I obviously don't want to offend anyone by saying so because, of course, he is Indian. But you have to remember the context for how he grew up. He grew up in a middle class that was relatively okay under colonial rule uh, and he probably saw himself as a British citizen um rather than being English or British. Uh and also remember India as a nation doesn't actually exist at this point. It used to be a collection of kingdoms beforehand and then the English came in and kinda of was like, You're all kinda of the same. Um, with its typical racist attitudes, you all look the same to me, um, and sort of lumped them all in as one and then called them all Indians. So a lot of people refer to themselves as such, but the actual nation itself doesn't actually exist at this point. I imagine it would be like calling, you know, England when the Danish like the Dane law and like kingdoms like Wessex, Cornwall, Essex were all just kingdoms. It's not actually England mm. yet, but there is an idea of England coming around uh, and some people are subscribing to it, right? Mm. It's kind of like that. And now here in South Africa uh which again if there's any history nuts out there yes i know it's not actually south africa yet it's colonies like uh transvaal or uh some other places like cape town or like they're all just like areas colonies That's it's not actually a nation yet i get it but just for simplicity's sake that's there only because i know we're going to get comments people do say that i don't know why i got so defensive <laughs> <laughs> very defensive no one said anything <laughs> That was so defensive. Sorry. Anyway, now, uh, like I was saying, back here in South Africa, he was no different to any other person of colour. Now, you think that mid-century America was racist with its KKK and Jim Crow laws. Here, it was 10 times worse. He discovered that people of colour were not allowed to walk on the sidewalk when there's a white person coming towards you, right? You had to step off the sidewalk to allow the white person to walk past you. Gandhi found that out uh very physically he found out in a physical manner when he was kicked Mm -hmm. off the pavement because a white person was walking along and he just didn't know that was the rule uh now also another thing when walking in a courtroom uh he was wearing a turban which was totally normal and traditional for him uh the judge Mm -hmm. asked him to remove it for no good fucking reason uh gandhi of course refused the judge was still adamant. Please, you do need to remove your turban. He was like, no, I don't. There is no law that says I need to. And fucking left the room. Uh, was so mortified by the whole experience and embarrassed. He was like, no, fuck you. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm out. I'm out. Dropped his mic and fucked off. Now, hmm. he was subject to racial slurs. Um, right. Trigger warning here. These are old racial slurs. Uh, old-timey racial slurs. I am going to use them once only for context um uh and as as you know to help this along the way uh, and i will never use them again i will only refer to them as the beginning letter uh it's purely there just to add context okay just i obviously don't want to offend anyone i don't want anyone to think that these uh, views are of pins or words that i want to use um these are just for the context of the show does that make sense james
3: you're about to get cancelled
2: yeah basically i'm trying to not get us cancelled but I do think it's important to use these, uh, just, just, just for context. Um, so as I was saying, he was subject to racial slurs um, used by locals such as Cooley uh, and Sami, which are uh, both used to refer to low-skilled Indian workers and labourers. Um, he was called that many, many times. In fact, many Indians, of course, would just refer to that at all times, regardless of whether they had uh, jobs as lawyers or you know on the other scale you're all the same. Now, he met up with the Indian community in Pretoria and made a speech proclaiming that Indians should not put up with this kind of abuse and that they should just stand up for their rights. Now, this is the moment that Gandhi kind of shakes off his shyness and becomes, or at least starts to become, the man that we think of today. He's almost like starting to show a glimmer of that Mahatma that he would become. Um, but he 's not quite there, but he 's mm. getting there he 's starting he 's starting he 's on his journey. They say was it what, every long journey starts off with a single footstep or is it sound like that what is that what is that quote i I yeah. know what you mean the 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 idea is that you can 't get copyright if you don 't say it right <laughs> now by eighteen ninety four gandhi 's business in South Africa was done uh, and he was expected to go back home but instead he vowed to stay in South Africa and fight for the rights of Indians living there. He helped set up the Natal Indian Congress, which is an organization whose main purpose at the time of establishment was to oppose a new law being brought in that would deny Indian people living in South Africa the right to vote. That's mental considering a lot of Indians would have been like, you know, technically like British subjects, as as well as anyone else living in South Africa. They're British subjects, they just live in a different part of the empire. Uh, and they were being the denied the right to vote because they're not white. It's ridiculous. Now, yeah, Gandhi man. made significant progress in bringing to the surface the issues at hand, but unfortunately he was unsuccessful in actually changing the law from being implemented. Now, Gandhi's activism, activism was a problem in South Africa. The locals and even the government didn't want non-Europeans rallying themselves to a cause, Uh, Gandhi was often beaten for using his voice and faced several life-threatening situations, including one time where he was nearly lynched in Durban for simply protesting. In fact, he was very lucky to make that one out alive. Imagine that. Someone could have lynched Gandhi before he became Gandhi. Now, living Hmm. in such a hostile environment, you'd think he would be glad to sort of get out of there. But no, he kind of doubled down. In fact, he went back to India very briefly to collect his family and bring them back to South Africa, where he would continue his activism and dish out free legal advice to his fellow Indians. Now, I can see there being many opportunities in their marriage where Gandhi's wife might have kicked off. One of them being like, why did you bring me to one of the most racist countries in the world? Um, But here, quite early on, one of them may have also have been him telling his family to not dress like indians anymore to dress more western and to start using cutlery to not make themselves a target um hmm. uh, listen his wife was a bit annoyed about the whole thing but i do kind of understand the concern right so as was like common in india at the time uh, you eat with your hands you don't necessarily use cutlery uh, you dress rather colorfully mm-hmm. and you know uh, here he was like i don't want you to dress colorfully i, I want you to dress like every other a white person here I want you to use cutlery I basically I don't want you to stand out in any way shape or form because you already do and I don't want you to stand out anymore
3: yeah but sort of like asking them to turn their back on
2: their culture exactly it's a difficult one to ask people to do now in 1900 a rather peculiar position made itself present the Boer War was on I don't think we've mentioned the Boer War before no I don't think so Um, it was uh, yeah I, I haven't gone into the detail but the boer war was about um uh it was dutch settlers who initially come to south africa who then sort of like took over the land of the natives living there and then when the british came and went oh this is really nice land you got here it's now ours <laughs> and then the dutch were like you're oppressing us and they're like like you're oppressing the natives anyway beforehand. It's just Mm. ironic that they were oppressing and now they feel they're being oppressed and it was the the battle between a lot of them. Now, the Boer War was going on and Gandhi saw it as an opportunity to show his colonial overlords that Indians, specifically Hindus, could be of good use to the empire and that they should not be overlooked. In fact, they were capable of doing dangerous, even manly work. Now, that may sound like I'm being sort of, uh, what's the word? uh oh christ i've forgotten the word it doesn't matter here's the point uh a lot of british people and the empire itself thought that hindus being uh vegetarians um and uh just just thought of them as being vegetarians being generally quite weak and not very confident or strong or uh, brave that's kind of how they saw them and you have to remember as well they had subjugated their entire nation for like 300 years or something right so that's just how they were seen they didn't really put up much of a fight they never really argued much they just sort of sort of them as very passive but Gandhi was like they need to see that we're better than that they need to see that we are strong we are someone you can deal with and the idea was that they'd respect them more afterwards um that was the whole point right um so he set up the Natal Indian Ambulance Corps and so, 1,100 volunteers were mustered to support British troops as basically combat medics. And Gandhi even volunteered himself and was on the front lines at the Battle of Spionkop, where he would help to carry wounded soldiers miles out from the front to field hospitals. In fact, even won the Queen's South Africa Medal alongside 37 other Indian volunteers. Now, all in all they showed themselves in really good standing and believed their loyalty to the cause would be rewarded. Remember, that was the whole point. Now, James, would you like to guess at whether their loyalty was rewarded or not? I'm going to go with the firm no. Yeah, it was not. Instead, in 1906, the Transvaal Colony in South Africa issued a new act that required all Indian people living in South Africa to register themselves and be given identity cards. Which is very Nazi-esque.
3: Uh, Any time you give out identity cards to anyone, there's a uh, ethical
2: red flags there. Oh, massively. Like, a lot of the things, like, we look at, like, the Nazis and think, like, wow, oh, that's awful. And some would argue that they looked to the British and went, we just basically refined what you did. Like, concentration camps were a British invention in South Africa. I mean, yeah, we, we kind of went over that in the Churchill episode, didn't we? Oh, yes. Oh my god, why did I do that? I just realised I did the fucking Churchill dog. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) bloody hell. Now, police were allowed to stop any Indian and asked to see their identity cards. And as far as I could find, no other race was required to do this. And it was around this time that Gandhi began to flirt with the idea of satagraha, which means to be insistent to and appeal to the truth. It promotes detachment of possessions, it promotes non-violence, vegetarianism and universal love for all. Now, he told Indians living in South Africa not to register for identity cards and to not resist when being pulled over. Instead, he told them to suffer any and all consequences that would befall them. Now, that's a hard thing to do, especially when they can be quite violent and abusive to you. And I'm sure that many didn't stick to it. But there were a lot who did and went to prison for it. Now, Gandhi said that righteous imprisonment was nothing to be ashamed of if it is for the right cause. Now, minor strikes were organized and the workers were told not to react should they be attacked. And indeed, they were attacked. And indeed, a lot of them didn't react. In Mm. fact, Gandhi's philosophy on non-violence and allowing whatever happens to happen to you is problematic. And we will touch on it a little bit later on okay so gandhi would spend two decades in total in south africa with the most of it dedicated to making life for indians living there better so all sounds good right but here's here's that um here's where i'll begin to address the elephant in the room was gandhi a racist we've all been wondering it ryan ever since this episode started (laughs) well i've I've mentioned it a few times in previous episodes (laughs) Mm. just like hinting that i'm gonna do this one day now we know that gandhi was quite passionate about the rights of indians living in south africa believing that they are british subjects and so they should be above things like racism and they should be seen as equals but what about other people of color or people native to the land of south africa that gandhi was fighting in well here's where the saint gandhi bubble kind of bursts Ghani kind of really didn't give a shit about native Africans or other people of colour living under the same struggle as him. Instead, any issues that he would fight for was almost exclusively for Indians, never uh, the POC community as a whole. In fact, he believed that power should always lie in the hands of the white man of empire in regards to Africa, and that Africans were lesser than whites and Indians. Saying in a speech... Oh, and again, uh, uh, trigger warning here. uh, This is the only time... This is a different word that uh, heralds from South Africa. I will use it once, and I know I will refer to it as the K word from then on. Uh, In a speech in 1896, he said that the whites were degrading Indians to a level of kefir, which is a racial slur used in South Africa for people of colour, a term that is still used today. um, And gandhi used this term a lot he would basically almost almost always refer to black people as the k word in letters and speeches and whatnot which i just find Mm. problematic it it's it's always fascinating to me when
3: people are fighting for equality for some but not for others like obviously it's wrong i remember there was a guy who came into our uni when i'd studied acting as you probably know and um he came in he was a big like he, he'd done well he's a director he was winning olivier awards all that it was, it was a black guy and his work is very good at like um employing black people as cast crew uh, mm. actors Like fair, like absolutely do that if that's if that's your writing go for it but then i added him on facebook and he was very homophobic and really he he kept saying that gay people didn't deserve rights and because he was really Christian. And I was like, that's so fucked that you're dedicating your entire life for equality for some but not for all. Oh. It just doesn't make sense. I think the second you put yourself above anyone else, you're no longer fighting for equality anymore. You, anything you're fighting for has become void. Hmm. It, it's, it's so mental. So yeah, Gandhi, you kind of fucked it there, bro. Sorry. We should, yeah, should like
2: kind of bring
3: up. bring him back from the dead. Bring Nelson Mandela back from the dead and just let him have a scrap.
2: <laughs> put him on trial. <laughs> yeah. Now uh Gandhi saw it as whites being on top, followed by Indians, and at the bottom were black people, stating that white people and Indians are of the same Aryan stock hailing from Indo European peoples.
3: So 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 he's not actually fighting for equality here, he just wants Indians to be seen as the same as white people. So he's yeah. very much aware that white people are in power and he just wants that power.
2: Yes. Yes, I think that's a very good oh, way of putting it.
3: That's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs>
2: Now, uh, he, it gets a little more problematic. He was even against certain mixing of Indians and people oh, of colour. Oh, a Here letter go. In a letter to a government official complaining about living arrangements for Indians, uh, again, just for a wee bit more context, um, uh, as far as the predominant white power uh, was concerned in South Africa, uh, uh, Indians, blacks, uh, any sort of person of colour... They all got sort of put in the same places because they just saw them as the same. They didn't give a shit if you were from a different part of the world. You just got lumped in together. So most of them lived together. Gandhi obviously didn't like this uh, and said about this that the places that they were living were no better than slums and that, quote, about the mixing of K-word and Indians, I must confess I feel most strongly. And when a plague struck Durban in 1905, said that it would persist so long as Indians and Africans were being, quote, herded together indiscriminately at the hospital, inferring that black people were the reason for disease and dirt. That's Uh, mental. Yeah. In fact, in 1908, he was briefly arrested for his activism and placed in a cell with a black person. He complained and said about it, quote, We were all prepared for hardships, but to be placed with natives seemed too much to put up with. But it's he, just, uh, just he's problematic.
3: F- the thing he's fighting against, he's doing.
2: Yeah, it does seem he that is, way. He is
3: the problem. So it seems to me that like he had this um, this situation on the train and uh, in court and he's being subjected to racial slurs and all that sort of thing. But he's very much, I'm going to help me on
2: my own. And when we've got what we want, everyone else is on their own. Do you know what? When I was doing research for this episode, I actually wrote this down and then I got rid of it. But now it just seems like an appropriate time to bring it up, kind of. You know in in between us when uh they drive to London and Simon gets strangled by the guy who was called a bus wanker. Yeah yeah yeah. Imagine the the guy strangling Simon is the British Empire. Mm-hmm. Simon's neck is uh in uh South Africa or or or, right. or the empire uh, the, the 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 colonial lands that that the British Empire runs and jay sitting in the passenger seat looking on is india being like <laughs> like oh i'm not involved here and it's like you definitely are you just you're not the one being strangled at the moment mm. and i think gandhi I mean... is like the jay in this situation where like he's just sat observing this awful thing going "Well, this isn't me He's str- it's not me he's strangling so it's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm.
3: I think that reference might go over a, quite a few heads, but I, I understand it. <laughs> but, but then obviously, as you said earlier, he would have been subjected to racial abuse in in London. It's just Possibly. unfortunately what would have happened at the time, and probably still happens. Yeah. But clearly, then he wasn't going to fight against it because he clearly views white people as better, powerful, and he just wants that. Yeah. And so he's not. He's not fighting for equality. He's not doing it. I. I, I this is a fascinating
2: breakdown of gandhi i love it
3: it's, it's 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 what he was doing was like obviously he's, he's doing a good thing for indian people mm. but you then can't subject other people to exactly what you're fighting against it, it it's stupid
2: well, I, I i i think it's fantastic that you just come up with that point because it leads me to what i'm about to go on to now uh, so gandhi's grandson is actually on record as saying that his grandfather was quote at times ignorant and prejudiced which i think is fantastic I think it's great to recognise our historical figures and call them out when they've been wrong.
3: Oh, yeah. Especially, like, family as well. I'm sure we all do. I'm sure we've all got racist grandparents. Like, it's just sort of what happens. But I'm glad that there's been progression through the generations and things. are Again, not perfect, nowhere near, but better.
2: Uh, We've done it on previous episodes. We spoke about Sir Francis Drake, a very famous English uh, historical figure. Uh, and and we mentioned in the episode that he did have some ties to uh, slavery so yeah i
3: I think if we look back in history especially
2: like pre-1900s no one's going to be perfect exactly and this is the point i think i'm coming to right because his grandson also said that his quote struggle for indian rights in south africa paved the way for the struggle of black rights now i'm sure that may be true but what I don't get, I don't believe that uh, that was his goal. I think, and you sort of uh, sort of hinting towards that earlier, James. His his struggle for Indian rights may have paved the way for Black rights, but that was not his that was not his goal. It wasn't what he was working for. Um, mm. And lastly, one writer said that attacking Gandhi for racism is a quote simplistic view of a complex life. Now, here in the UK. Winston Churchill's statue is often vandalised and there are open calls for him to be vilified for his racist views back in the late 19th century and early 20th century with the argument Mm -hmm. of man of the time not really holding much water. So my question is, why do we see it differently with Gandhi? I
3: don't know if we do see it differently. Like, I, I, I wasn't a massive fan of Churchill anyway, but I respect... This is the thing. You can call someone out on their shit but then also respect the good that they did so if we put it into the context of Winston Churchill he he was a prick like I think it's just unanimously agreed that he was a massive prick but also he was a great wartime leader and he did a hell of a lot of good for the allies during World War II and we probably needed him absolutely um so so then the same with Gandhi like obviously as we're gonna go on to he does a hell of a lot of good and changed the world for the better but then you can also acknowledge that he wasn't perfect and did bad things as well.
2: Absolutely, but that's why I kind of wanted to like really sort of hit on that quote to 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 attack Gandhi for his racism is a simplistic view of a complex life. Basically saying, listen, this guy did so much more good than to look at all the negative stuff that maybe he does. And we will look at the negative stuff in this series on Gandhi. And I just think it applies to people such as Winston Churchill. Now listen, I'm not a Churchill fanboy, I'm just trying to look at it from a very like, we're all on the same playing field. If if you're allowed to ignore the fact that Winston Churchill uh, helped win the Second World War, if you're allowed to ignore that and look purely at his racist behaviour before, then why can't you do that to Gandhi as well? Surely, the, if you're on the same playing field, you could say the same, right?
0: Hmm.
2: Anyway, I did find that fascinating. Um, so, yeah. Now... In 1914, Gandhi left South Africa, heading back to India. He was requested back by an Indian politician and was surprised to receive a hero's welcome. Now, it seems that Gandhi's activism for Indian rights had been well documented back home. This man, when he left India, was a shy boy, a quiet person. But when he returned, he was put into a position of leadership. In fact, Nelson Mandela once said, You gave us Mohandas Gandhi we returned him to you as Mahatma Gandhi. And that is where we'll end part one. Wonderful. (laughs) So yeah, uh, thoughts on the uh, somewhat controversial Mahatma Gandhi in part one? Uh, It's interesting to get some context
3: behind the man, because obviously we just sort of see him as this old, bold man wearing a robe. Yeah. That's all about peace. But then I think you do sometimes forget that there was a a young man there once who went through struggles and exactly uh had his own life and upbringing and also some bad things about him which obviously like, people touch on we all knew that gandhi was a little bit racist i think that's just sort of general knowledge but we perhaps didn't know the context behind yeah. it but it's interesting to get the context
2: yeah. all right excellent well uh so as as you guys are aware now that is part one of uh, mahatma gandhi uh, part two will be coming up next week so make sure you uh check in for that so when we can sort of finish the tie tale um excellent do you have anything you want to add James anything to sort of say I wish I had something I really want to say something funny but I um, <laughs> I
3: can't unfortunately
2: <laughs> all right then um if you'd like to follow us on the socials of course you can do so support us that way uh you share us I know it's um uh, a listener of ours from Tennessee Roman. she uh, tends to post quite a bit on Instagram sort of promoting the show which is fantastic so Rowan if you're listening thank you very much Uh, we've had a few other people as well message us somewhat recently to saying that they really enjoy the show Um, so yeah it's been fantastic hearing from the listeners it's really been nice like it makes me smile so much that you guys are out there Uh, otherwise it would just be me and James shouting at each other um, (laughs) over the phone talking to the void (laughs) <laughs> just for two hours a week yeah. yeah otherwise I'm writing for no fucking reason <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, of course like we've mentioned uh, every week uh, or whenever we do a show uh, if you'd like to support the show of course you can do so uh, we want to have that studio with the amazing timeline that goes across the wall so if you'd like to financially support us you can either purchase our merch uh, at uh, 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 Teespring there is a link on our social media pick up a nice shirt or a mug uh, or if you'd the merch is genuinely really
3: good as well. Like I'm not just saying that. Like the hoodie that I've got of ours is actually my favourite hoodie. Yeah. It's really good quality. It's really nice. I'm actually nice.
2: wearing a, a, a that's what people do shirt at the moment. I I just I wear my own merch all the time. It's almost sad. But oh yeah, you've got to wear your own merch. You've got to got represent. To represent. Uh, but yeah, conversation uh, but You starting. can also head over to our Kofi page and you can always donate to the show. Um, so yeah there is word about a patreon coming soon uh, we'll see about that we'll see where we're going uh, we're a bit busy at the moment so yeah when we figure that out we'll let you guys know so thank you very much for listening and join us next week for part two of mohandas gandhi ta